I'm Brandon Webb, former Navy SEAL and founder of Crate Club, the number one tactical and survival gear subscription box in America. Being prepared matters, so choose military-grade hand-picked gear by special ops professionals. Gift Crate Club today at crateclub.com. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, Special Operations Military News, and Straight Talk with the Guys in the Community. Welcome to Software Radio on Target, on time, and Happy New Year from me, Big Phil, across the pond. And this week, I'm going to be bringing you three subjects. How could I go through a whole show without talking about Iran? I've got another dog for you this week, and this one's a family favourite, it really is. And then we're going to talk about another event that's happening right now in the Atlantic Ocean. Let's boot things off, literally... Let's talk about Iran and what's going on over there. Because a lot of stuff and a lot of people over here talking about the tensions in the Middle East. Obviously, yourselves in America, you've had troop deployments. You've had a brigade, I think, of the 82nd Airborne, which is about 3,500 men, deploying into the East again. Uncertain times for families and all that sort of stuff. And we're all too familiar with that sort of thing. So... I just wish nothing but the best for, for all of our troops who are out in the area at the moment and just wish them a safe and happy, happy return as soon as possible. Let's have a quick chat then, because what I wanted to do, a lot of people haven't kept kept up with what's going on over there. And that's that's fine because it's not, you know, again, I've, I've said this a hundred times. If you're going to understand Middle Eastern politics, you need a brain the size of a small planet. You really do. I mean, I've been exposed to the Middle East for a number of years now, you know, well, well over 15 years, I've been, been in and out of the Middle East, and I don't get it, and I don't think anybody really gets it. You would absolutely have to, you'd have to make Einstein look stupid to understand it fully, and even then, if you did, you'd probably only get one aspect of it right. It really is a complete mesh of lunacy over there, a mesh of lunacy. How about that? That's a statement right there, isn't it? So... It's a difficult, difficult thing to understand for anybody. And obviously, you know, I get a lot of people coming up to me and saying, Phil, what's going on in the Middle East? How have we got to this again? Is there going to be World War Three? All these concerns that people are bringing to me right now. And, of course, I can't answer all of these questions. But what I can do is give you a balanced opinion from what I've seen over years of going in and out of there. Now, like I say, I'm not an educated man. I don't have degrees. I haven't been to university. What I have been is into these areas and seen how things work. And moreover, you know, a lot of people, and someone said to me the other day, oh, Iranians, I hate them. Well, I thought to myself, that's a bit of a broad brush statement. Hang on a minute. My barber 
my hairdresser's Iranian. He's a great guy. And, you know, I, I had my hair cut today. He didn't try and chop my face off or anything like that. He's, he's a great guy. And I think what gets lost in a lot of this tension is the fact that a lot of very normal people on both sides of the fence are affected by this, okay? And it's, it's, it's always the normal people that suffer to the point that, you know, I've been to a lot of these places and a lot of people... A lot of normal people just like, why is this going on? And that's on both sides of the fence. So let's not get carried away straight away. Are we going to see World War Three out of all this? Well, let's have a look at the tensions and the timelines of events leading to the Soleimani killing. Okay, we're going to go back. How far are we going to go back? Let's let's think. Let's go back to 2018. We won't go back any further than that because, like I say, these tensions in the Middle East have been going on for years and years and years and years, well past anything we could ever document or write down. So I'm just going to go back as far as 2018. And uh, in 2018, in May, the US withdrew its nuclear deal from the area, okay? Now, you could say that starts a bit of tension, but of course it does, because you've basically stripped away an asset which a country is saying they need. Now, we're saying you don't definitely have that because you can't be trusted with it, and rightly so. The, you know, There's evidence to suggest that a country like that should not have a nuclear programme. So it's all right and proper that that should happen. But I'm just pointing out where the tensions are, so don't start shooting me down when I start mentioning this stuff, all right? Okay, so the US then, on the 21st of May, set out tough demands, and the first rounds of sanctions came in. Now, the sanctions, the first phase were... There were some quite tough demands here. The, the Iranian stands to lose the following business transactions. because they, they, They're claiming that they lost a lot of business transactions because of the US sanctions. Now, I would actually claim that they've lost their, their business transactions because of their own stupidity and what they were doing. But no matter how, which way you look at it, they're saying that their aero industry was down by $39 billion. Their carpets and textures were down by $424 million. The pistachio export, how bizarre is that? The pistachio export was down by $852 million. Cars were down by $1.6. Have you ever owned an Iranian car? I haven't, I've got to tell you. But there you go. Cars were down by $1.6. 64.5 tonnes of gold. Trading of gold and other precious metals in Iran was prohibited. In the past, gold was used as payment to buy Iranian oil to circumvent banking sanctions. See this pattern emerging here. See how the business interweaves with all this stuff and interferes. It's, 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 once you start digging, that's why I said you need a big brain to get your head around all this. But anyway, just rest assured the first round of sanctions hit them where it hurts financially. Okay, that's what it's designed to do. So no matter what way you look at this, the sanctions cause tension. Okay, now whether the sanctions were in place were right or wrong, they caused tension. That's what you've got to look at. That's where we're going. That's where, This is what I'm trying to highlight to you, why there's tension over there. On November the 5th, the US announced a new round of sanctions, this time specifically targeting the key oil and banking sectors. Again, going after them where it hurts, financially. That's where to get, you know, even you learn that as a kid, don't you? You know, if you misbehave, your, your mum and dad take your pocket money off you. They hit you financially where it hurts. They get you. There you go. So they were hit financially again. 2019, so that was basically 2018 was a year where sanctions were placed and imposed upon Iran, which, which hurt them, which hurt them. They'll claim that it was wrong and all the rest of it, but we got to that position because of the way they were posturing, okay? So there you go. 2019 then. On April the 8th, Trump announced he was designated a powerful arm of the Iranian military, the elite Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, as a foreign terrorist organisation. There you go. So an organisation within the country was deemed as a terrorist organisation. 
now we can't do business at all because we don't deal with terrorists. We don't do that. You don't do that. Nobody wants to do that. The US sends an aircraft carrier to the Middle East. That was on the 5th of May in 2019. Trump then National Security Advisor John Bolton announced the US was sending an aircraft carrier strike group and an Air Force bombers to the Middle East in response to a number of troubling and escalatory indications and warnings. Now, those indications and warnings can be civil unrest, they can be things that are said within Parliament, but rest assured, you don't just send an aircraft carrier and a battle group for nothing, all right? You don't just do that, okay? So when people are saying, you know, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong, the other's wrong, and this shouldn't have happened, that shouldn't have happened, you don't do it for no reason, okay? There's no reason to do it, okay? Now, I've heard lots of conspiracy theories going on about all this Iranian stuff, okay, right now, you know, he's dodging the elections and all this stuff. No, I don't believe in that for one second, personally, okay? More sanctions followed the, follow, follow that then. Um, on the FMA, Iran said it was preparing to increase enriched uranium. Now, that's going to wind up. Okay, so if you don't know, you know, enriched uranium would hint to anybody that if you're going to start producing that sort of stuff and you're going to start carting it about, you only need it for one reason, don't you? And that reason is your nuclear program. So they're starting to wind it up back now. So in, you know, last year, May the 8th, Iran is saying, you know, they're going to start doing stuff which is obviously aggravating the situation. You can see how these things start off small. And then, you know, one thing gets said, another thing gets said, uh, and before you know it, you are where you are. Tankers subject to sabotage operations. On the 12th of May, the United Arab Emirates four commercial ships off the coast of Fujairah, one of the world's largest bunkering hubs, was subjected to sabotage operations, okay? Now they're going on the offensive, okay? So they can't affect anybody financially in Iran. They don't really have the power to do anything like that. But what they do start doing then is infiltrating in and seeing where they can do damage. And hence, the next sort of like round of escalation happened to, you know, tankers started to go missing or bunkering was interfered with and that sort of stuff. Houthis attacked the oil pipeline. The Yemeni Houthis rebels were locked in a long-running war with Saudi UAE military-led coalition, launched drone attacks on Saudi Arabia on the May the 14th, striking a major oil pipeline and taking it out of service. All this small stuff starts adding up now, okay? So it all starts coming into play. And no matter who's claiming to do what to who, all right, it's all toing and froing, and it's all, it's all, it's all. Then the, then the US have said, you know, you can't, you, you can't threaten us. And on the 19th of May, a rocket landed near the US embassy in Baghdad. Nobody was harmed. But the fact is, you have fired now a rocket at the US embassy. Don't expect a pat on the head for that. Don't expect things are going to go your way because that's what you've done, all right? Negotiating through means of violence never, ever, in my opinion, works, all right? It doesn't work. It can't work. You slap me in the face, I slap you back, and that's how it goes, and that's how this thing's going here. So let's have a look. In response to that, Donald Trump said on May the 19th, if Iran wants to fight, that will be the official end of Iran. Never threaten the United States again, all right? That's a statement right there. That's a statement right there. That says to me, you don't mess with us. Leave us alone. You know the big kid in the playground when you go out and just kick him in the shins and he looks at you and he goes, you don't do that again or I will flatten you. You take him seriously, all right? Anyway, so it went up and up and up and up. But where did we go from there? May 2, May the 20th, after a meeting with the Japanese Prime Minister, Shinzo, who offered to broker a dialogue between Washington and Tehran, Trump said he was not looking for a regime change in Iran. Again, the politics starts taking place. Other nations start stepping in, but it still isn't going anywhere, all right? There's another shipping incident on June the 13th, a Norwegian tanker this time. More US troops in response to that are sent into the area, okay, June the 17th. A US drone was shot down on June the 20th. 
Iranian forces shot down a US military drone. Both countries confirmed the incident, offering diverging accounts about the location of the aircraft. Obviously, what's going to happen there is you're going to say it was here, they're going to say it was there, they're going to claim they did it because of this, you're going to claim they shouldn't have done it because of that. That's how these things go, okay? So that happened then. Trump says he's called off an attack on the 21st. Obviously, he said he was going to attack them and never did. It toed and froed a little bit then. And then there was some more sanctions, okay? So you see where we're going? It toes and froes, a little bit of argy-bargy, a little bit of slinging this, slinging that, bit of and then before you know it, there's more sanctions imposed. So from people who've moaned about the sanctions, they've actually escalated tension again to the point where you've got to put more sanctions on them, all right? Donald Trump all the time thinking about what he can do next, how he can keep people safe and all that sort of stuff. And he deploys F-22 stealth fighters into the area. In response to that, Tehran exceeds its uranium limit. <laughs> what do you do? You just keep winding them up. There you go. A tanker carrying Iranian oil was stopped. On the 4th of July, British Royal Marines, Police and Customs Agents in Gibraltar seized a super tanker accused of carrying Iranian crude oil to Syria in breach of the European Union trade sanctions. Now, I remember this one, okay? So they tried to take a, a, a tanker full of stuff, to full of oil, crude oil, to support things going on in Syria. Of course you're going to get stopped doing that. Of course you are. You're not going to let that happen, I have. So that's got seized. The nuclear stuff keeps going on. The captain of the Iranian vessel was arrested on the 12th of police interval with the rest of the captain and chief officer of an Iranian tanker that was seized by British forces the previous week. So now they've proved what he's doing. Because they don't just arrest you for nothing. If you're doing something wrong, you get arrested. That's it. In response to that, Iran seized a British oil tanker. Now this is, this, this is what made me laugh about this one. They've seized a British oil tanker. Well, it wasn't British at all, really. It just had a British flag on the back of it. Now, anybody who knows anything about shipping knows that the flag you fly on the back of your ship usually doesn't correspond with the crew or even the cargo that's on the ship, all right? That's the way, that's the, way the shipping industry works. They, you know, these things are complicated deals. They get insured and things are registered here, registered there for this reason, that reason, and the other reason. So this particular craft which was taken had no Brits on it whatsoever, I don't think. And the IRGC releases a video of the moment that their forces seized a British tanker. Seized a British tanker from people that weren't armed. Now, that's really hard, isn't it? That's really brave and really clever. So there you go. British Navy to escort UK vessels in the Strait of Hummus. Now the Brits are stepping up now. Now the Brits are going, we've had enough of this now. So they're starting to take, take, take actions. More sanctions from the US, OK? And then I think the, the tanker was let go. And then in response to that, Iran unveils a new missile defence system. <laughs> there you go. So now we're, now we're showing off about what we can do again, all right? Zaris meets with Macron. The French are getting involved. There you go. That, that, that'd, be a, that'd be a first, wouldn't it? What the French got to offer on this? And like I say, leading up to Christmas, we then had, a, we had a, a US contractor killed. And then, like I say, the Americans have had enough. They've obviously, uh, you know, they've obviously found out where this, where this guy is and... They've delivered, they've delivered what he's been asking for, okay? So that's how we got there. That's how we got there. A series of toing and throwing, a series of people not adhering to measures that have been put in place to counter stuff that they're doing, which puts other people's lives in danger. And eventually, like I say, a push has become a shove. And obviously, they've sanctioned this, this attack on the head of their military operations. Some people say it's a long time in coming. The man was known to have ordered all sorts of trouble in his time. You can't say, I, my initial reaction to that was if you live by the sword, you know, sometimes you die by the sword. I think that's that's where we've got to with this. Obviously, now we're in a situation where some, some missiles have been thrown back. Thankfully, nobody's been hurt. But Trump did say the other day that he believed that now things had calmed down a little bit. And I think that, you know, we've had the sabre rattling. We've had the, we've had the shows of strength. 
Iran have done their little bit. They've had some screaming and shouting. There's been some rioting in the streets. There's been, you know, the normal the normal rhetoric that you see from these sorts of places. And I do believe now that we're probably calming down a little bit. You can never say for certain in the Middle East. But from where I'm sitting right now, I think that we're over the hump of a, of a minor emergency. So when people say to me, Big Phil, we're going to be hitting World War Three anytime soon. I don't think it's this time soon. I don't think World War Three is on its way from this one. The same as when Kim Jong-un was being a bit of a plonker. We didn't reach World War Three then either, OK? I have, however, been quoted as saying, and uh, some people agree, some people disagree with me, it is a matter of keeping China out of the way on a lot of this sort of stuff because I think the minute the Chinese get involved properly behind some of this, that's when that's when the danger comes for me. But so far, you know, so far they haven't. And may all our forces around the globe stay safe and return home at some stage. That's the main priority for me. And in the meantime, let's hope that, you know, negotiations and the politics behind this sort of stuff can reach conclusions that don't mean that we have to we have to escalate to violence all the time because it's not it's never been my preferred way of doing things, although, you know, I've been a, a soldier and an operator and a call me whatever you like for years. I've always seen that, you know, if there's if, if the violence is always my last resort. So that that's where I'm coming from with this. Anyway, we move on. Let's talk dogs. You know I love dogs. And uh, this week we're going to talk about dog that's a real... You like these or you, or you don't like them. I think some people are probably petrified of this dog and some people see them as a pet. But no matter how you see it, the Doberman Pinscher, or just the Doberman, or the plain old Doby, is a great, great, great animal. Predominantly nowadays used as a guard dog, it's an extremely intelligent animal. And that's, what, that's, that's why they're so great to train. I mean, if you look at the breed characteristics... You know, it's, it's, it's listed, it's sensitivity level is listed as a five-star. All-round friendliness is five-star. Affectionate with family is five-star. Incredible kid-friendly dog, three-star. Other dog-friendly, funnily enough, is only a one-star. Health and grooming, it's quite a healthy dog. Easy to groom. Like I say, it's a short-haired thing. It's a great dog. Trainability then, easy to train. It gets five stars on that intelligence. So if you if you were playing trumps with dogs, this would be a good, a good trump card to have. Prey drive. One star, tendency to bark or howl, one star. So they do, they do, do, they do say that, you know, if you get these dogs, if you do have a Doberman Pinscher, you need to get the grips of it sooner rather than later because it will become the alpha, the alpha animal within the, within the pack. All right. So if you've got one in your house, you need to, you need to make sure you've, you've, you've trained it straight away because otherwise it will become the most dominant of, of, of people in your house. Okay. How do we get the Doberman Pinscher then? Let's have a look at the history of the animal. Once upon a time, in the late 19th century, there was a tax collector named Louis Doberman, and he lived in a town called Apalada in the Farungai district of Germany. His job was collecting money, and obviously it was dangerous because there were bandits in the area who could attack him at any time. And he thought, right, I need a dog that I can take with me, obviously. All right. So since Doberman was also the town dog catcher, he often took along a dog for protection. Doberman began breeding dogs with the idea of a loyal companion and protection in mind. The result of the breeding experiments was the early Doberman Pinscher, okay? So he's obviously got all these dogs in his care. They believe that the dogs that he had at the time were something like maybe a black and tan, a Rottweiler, and, and you know, this, this is, I mean, it's definitely got the, it's definitely got the Rottweiler colours in it, hasn't it? It's got a terrier type, type attitude, which was from the black and tans and that sort of stuff. When Doberman died in 1894, the true knowledge of his, breed, of his breeds that were combined to make the Doby went with him. 
he never told anybody. He never told anybody I would come to get the dog that he had. So he's obviously had loads of stray dogs and he's, he's made this wonder dog. Because of his contributions in developing the breed, however, it was named in his honour. So he, they, they kept the dog in his honour, all right? A breeder named Otto Gola is credited with the shaping of the Doberman of how we know it today, and he'd done that in 1900. The journal Kennel, Kennel Club recognised the dog in 1900 and called it the Doberman Pinzer. As a breed, all right. Now, since then, I think later on, we've dropped the we've dropped the pincer bit. Really, I don't hear anybody calling it a Doberman pincer anymore. Really, but it has sort of been that that has 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 been dropped a little bit now. So, it was taken to the United States in early 1900s, 1908. The Doberman was brought to the United States, and the legend says that one of the first Dobermans brought to the American states was shown in some show. And it won it for three years in a row. And the only reason it won it was because the judge was too scared to open his mouth to have a look at its teeth, all right? These dogs have got some fearsome... It's not not as big as the Dogodile, all right? It's not as big as my Andrew, right? But they've got some fearsome teeth in there. They really have. And they... You know, you hear about these these guys using them for protection, removing the teeth or or capping the teeth with titanium. Or not yes, yeah, it's titanium. Is it giving them proper sharp teeth? I believe you now, if you open up that dog's mouth for the first time and looks inside it, you'd be saying to yourself, that has got... That has got some serious chowing gear. That really has, Okay. The Doberman Pincher Club of America was formed in 1921 and a year later it adopted the breeder's standard. They'd been over to Germany. They'd concluded, sort of, uh, colluded with them and the, and, the, and the breed, they went firm on how the breed should be. The next 15 years then, from 1921, were, were critical in the development of the Doberman during World War I. The number of Dobies in Europe declined severely because people who were starving couldn't afford to keep the dogs. Dobies who survived were owned by the military police and the very wealthy people breeding was a luxury. Okay, so war, war across Europe led to the decline of the dog a little bit. And like I say, it was only really the military and people that had real money that could afford to have these dogs, you know, to, 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 to keep hold of them, to look after their properties and that sort of stuff would have been the people that kept hold of them. After 1921, nearly all the top Germans had been, nearly all the top decent dogs had gone to the States, basically. Over the years, breeders have worked diligently to take the edge off the original Doby's sharp personality with good results. Although the Doberman is a protective family dog, they're known as an affectionate and loyal companion as well. They're a big old dog. They can get up to about 28 inches tall, 60 to 80 pounds on these dogs, and that's all muscle as well. So that's a big old dog. They're, they're a super intelligent dog. Their personality is a great personality on the Doberman. Um, but like I say, they're an evil dog, aren't they? Look at them. You know, I always think, when I think Doberman, and this is really funny, when I, when I think Doberman, I always think about the old, um, about the Simpsons, funnily enough. <laughs> um, Smithers, release the hounds. <laughs> That's what I think when I think Dobie's, and you see these things running down the garden. You can imagine, can't you? These big posh people have these Dobermans. Smithers, release the hounds. And off they go like, do you know what I mean? Unbelievable. What, what a great dog. What a great dog. Um, health-wise, they are susceptible to a few diseases, one that I've got noted down here is Wobbler's Syndrome, suspected to be an inherited condition in the Doberman's affected dog suffers from spinal cord compression caused by ver- cervical vertebral instability or a form of malfunctioned spine canal. Extreme symptoms are neck pain and paralysis of the legs. Surgical therapy is hasty, debated, but in some cases the condition can reoccur even after such treatment. That doesn't sound like a very good one, does it? If you look at these dogs as well, so, so the way that people look after these dogs, they used to they used to clip the ears off them to make them. I mean, it used to make them look 
looked meaner for a start. I don't think that was the main reason. The main reason was shows that they could direct their hearing when they were looking around properly. I'm actually doing it. I'm, I'm looking around like I've got the like I've got the Doberman's ears. Like, do you know what I mean? But he literally it's pointing its head where it wants to hear. Do you know what I mean? It's a really it's a really astute, clever dog. And then, of course, they used to clip the tails off them as well, which. You know, obviously in the UK now, that's you're not allowed to do that to your dog. You're not allowed to cut bits off it for, for to, to make it perform better or to make it look better or, or or a combination of both. So that can't happen anymore. What does it eat then? Typical daily amount. It needs it needs two or three decent cups of high quality food. All right, so it's not a cheap dog. Coat collar and grooming. You need to brush its teeth. But it doesn't take a lot to groom this dog. It's got quite short hair, so you would get away. I mean, I don't brush my dog every day, and he's got, you know, we, we clip his hair. But when he gets when he gets longer, you know, you need you should you should be brushing it every day. These dogs don't need doing every day, but you know, they do have nice shiny coats. Children of the pets, they're all right. They're all right around your own kids. If I had a Doberman and someone else's kids come around the house, I wouldn't take a chance. I'd keep the dog out the way. Do you know what I mean? Unless you really knew the dog was on form, like do you know what I mean? Because because it is part of your pack, you never know when it's going to see someone else's outside of your pack. Do you know what I mean? So it's probably not the not the safest dog. And with other dogs, it can lose it. And I'll tell you what, one, there was a Doberman over park the other week. Had a quick bite and a bark at Andrew. Um, I got him out of the way pretty sharpish, but they can be quite a snappy dog. There's various rescue jobs and breed organisations and rescue organisations and clubs and kennel clubs and all sorts of stuff associated with the dog. It is an extremely, extremely popular dog. And I'm going to say you're going to see this dog. You're going to see this dog for a long time. It's not one of those breeds that's going to go completely out of fashion. There will always be people who like a good Dobie and who like a decent dog, all right? And they are, like I say, they are an absolutely superb guard dog. I know my mate Danny over the years has had two or three of these dogs and they've been absolutely top draw. They really have been a good dog. So, yeah, if if you're in the market for a decent guard dog, you won't get much better than a Doberman. Probably not my first choice of family pet, but it does make a pet. They are a decent dog. There you go. Now then, I've been uh, I've been tracking a friend of mine who is currently rowing across the Atlantic, and it's all part of the uh, it's part of the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Okay, and John John, a friend of mine, he's ex he's ex SAS. He's on his own. <laughs> he's on his own in a in a rowing boat, and he's rowing across the he's rowing across the Atlantic. Now I, I've looked at this event before. It kicks off before Christmas. So think about John. So this is I'm going to introduce this next this next subject, and we're going to follow we're going to follow this to the end because I want to see I want to see how John does. And if you look on my social media at Big Field Campion on Facebook, Twitter, or Insta, you'll be able to you'll be able to find where you can donate if you wish to these great causes. Lots of boats doing it. I'm following two boats at the moment. I'm following a, a team of four soldiers who are rowing across. I'm following a friend of mine, John, who's on his own, um, and he's known as the Mad Giraffe. So. This was the text I got. I'd lost his missus' phone number, so I sent her a text message. And she texts she text me back because I wanted to know. Sorry, Phil, I didn't have your number. Saved him on your phone. I'd asked her what was going on. It's the Yellow Brick app on the App Store and then Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. He's the Mad Giraffe boat. I'm putting regular updates on his Instagram and my sister is putting them on John's Mad Giraffe Facebook page. So go to the Mad, go to John's Mad Giraffe Facebook page and you can find out all about what John's doing. Um... But just listen to this for a Christmas, right? So <laughs> this is how his Christmas went. Now, he's had a really difficult start. His auto helm went leaving harbour, followed by chronic seasickness that lasted over 10 days. Imagine being sick for 10 days with seasickness. That is pretty goodness. Totally debilitating, and then had slack winds as he missed the good winds with all the boat issues setting off. So the idea of this thing is to catch the weather. Because I did say to John originally, I said, John, what are you going to do? He said, look, eventually, if you just stayed in the boat, 
you will end up over the other side. It will take a long time, but the currents will take you over there. Now, the idea is to go over there as quickly as possible, but you've got to catch the right weather. But because he was ill, he missed the decent weather. He's pulled out a blinder, though, as he's still in the fleet at the back, but amazing human feet to be where he is, despite being capsized and pretty much rowing through the water that's been like treacle. I mean, so he's, he's been capsized, his boat's broken, and he's been sick. And this is over Christmas. Happy Christmas, do you know what I mean? So anybody who says to me you've ruined Christmas, well, he ruined Christmas for himself there, didn't he? So the wind is meant to be better on Monday, so we're praying it is to change his luck and let him finally get started. He's still in good spirits despite this, and um, he's not been able to get further, but still cracking jokes. Thanks for your support. So the Talisker Atlantic rowing, what a feat that is. What a, what a, what a great thing. And there's, there's lots of that to say. If you, if you download the Yellow Brick app, then you can go and have a look at the progress of all the boats and see how fast they're going. And the top teams are getting over there. You know, they're pretty much ne- nearly there by now, I would have thought. You know, they really are going for it. And I remember last year I was in the Caribbean. You'll probably, I'm going to the Caribbean this week. And I would imagine by the end of the, by the end of my time there in two weeks' time, I would imagine we might even see the first boats getting across there, okay? They, they start off, they come, across to the, they come across to the Caribbean and you'll see them knocking around in the various bazaars. Uh, so anybody who's, who's going down in the Caribbean, I'm not sure exactly where they finish, but you can have a look on, online and like I say, I thought I'd mention it because over the next couple of weeks, as these boats are coming in and as my friends are coming in, I'm going to let you know the results and how much money they've raised and all that sort of stuff. So the, I just I thought I'd put this one in there really quickly because if you've if if anyone dares says to me they've had a, they've had a bad Christmas, all right, <laughs> then that is truly a bad Christmas, isn't it? Ten days worth of being sick with a broken boat and then getting dumped in the Orkin. That really isn't isn't great, is it? Okay, so uh, there we go. The um, yellow brick app online. And the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge is where you want to look. And you're looking for the Mad Giraffe, all right, which is my mate John, XSAS, XB Squadron. There you go. So John's out there doing his bits and pieces. Well, look, before I go, let's have a let's 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 remind you to take a look at the at the Great Club, all right? Some great stuff's coming out of the Great Club this year. Looking forward to hopefully doing some work with the Great Club this year myself, especially the Great Club Academy, because I did the last one. It was absolutely superb. Great place, great things, great stuff happening with them. Also, check out softrep.com. I'm on softrep.com on Facebook Live. I put out free shows a week, so keep an eye out for me on, on, on softrep because I'll be doing some cool stuff. And I'll be in the Caribbean myself. I'm going to be visiting places like Nelson's Boatyard, uh, two or three of the islands, and I'll be picking out some military history while I'm there. So that's always always a good trip for me and always a good trip for me to be able to share stuff with you over there and some really interesting stuff, which is actually quite close to you lot anyway. So there you go. I've got, I've, I, I certainly, last time I went over there, I'll be doing a mad chilli challenge again there and all that sort of stuff. So that'll be fun. We've got some really cool stuff going on over there. And obviously, Wendy will be coming with me and filming and taking part as well. So we'll have, we'll have, we'll have some fun with that on Sofra. And like I say, hopefully later on the year, I'll get to meet a few of you again with the Crate Club and we'll do some cool stuff with that as well. So look, until next time, thanks very much for listening and um, I shall see you all later. Keep tuned in. Don't forget to have a look at that yellow brick store and look for the Atlantic Challenge, okay? The Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Rowing. Check that out. It really is cool. Don't worry about World War Three. It's not going to happen. And if you want to get yourself a dog, get yourself a doby if you want something that's going to look after your house. Right, until next time, who dares wins? And I'll see you all later on. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.